I'll take a medium house blend. If you've been to Grinnell, you probably know exactly where I am right now. Also, if you read the title of this episode, you might have a clue. I'm at Saints Rest for this episode of All Things Grinnell. We could take it slowly, or we could get insane. No one ever got anywhere by playing it safe. This is All Things Grinnell. I'm your host, Ben Benversi. On this week's show, we'll talk with Noga Ashkenazi, class of 2009, who directed the movie Saints Rest, a musical drama filmed and set here in Grinnell. Then we'll talk with Saints Rest former owner Jeff Phelps and the current owner, Sam Cox, about how the coffee shop has become a home for so many in the Grinnell community. This week's show is coming up next after a word from Grinnell College. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the views of Grinnell College. Noga Ashkenazi came to Grinnell as an international student from Tel Aviv, Israel, unprepared for the cold winters and unsure what awaited her. During her four years here, she found a new home in Grinnell, and after making a documentary about her experience tutoring inmates through the Grinnell Prison Program, she decided to make a narrative film set here in Grinnell. Noga came back to Grinnell in October for the screening of her movie. We sat down to talk about the film and how she fell in love with Saints Rest. Well, when I was a student here, I was, as you know, very far away from home. And uh, when I when I found myself spending a lot of time at Saints Rest, I got really close to the owner and founder of Saints Rest. The owner at the time was Jeff Phelps. Um, he became like a dad to me while here in Grinnell. Uh, I come from a big city, Tel Aviv, and in Tel Aviv, you know, you have your neighborhood coffee shops, but it's not the same as coming in and knowing everyone around you and everyone greets you and Jeff knows exactly my drink and always just, you know, takes care of me. And it, it felt like I a place where I could call home away from home. Um, so I just, I really loved the atmosphere. I was blown away by the Too Many String Band concerts there because it was just, I remember this one night, it was snowing outside and they were performing and the place was packed. Like you literally, people were standing and you couldn't move because it was so packed and they were playing this great, you know, folksy music and the the atmosphere, the ambiance was just so magical that uh, you could feel the community coming together and it being a family. Um, so I love that and I really wanted to capture that feeling in a movie, um, in a coffee shop where live music is performed and people from the community come to listen to it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, can you pinpoint a specific moment when you decided that you were going to make a movie in Grinnell? Yes. Um, when I, I spent my junior year in Paris and I took some film classes there and kind of fell back in love with film. Film is what I had always done back in Israel. Uh, but when I came to Grinnell and realized there wasn't a film program here, I became a theater dance major and that took over my life. Um, and I kind of put film aside for a few years. And then um, 
when I went to Paris, I, I knew that film is what I wanted to do after graduation. Um, and so when I um, started teaching at the prisons, uh, at the Grinnell Prison Program, I found the experience so powerful that I felt like this is, this is something I want to document and share with people and they should meet these people and hear their stories. And so I had the idea of making a documentary inside the women's prison while teaching a feminism class and kind of making the film about women's issues in the criminal justice system in a broader way. So, of course, everyone I asked about it said, you know, you're, no one is ever going to let you bring cameras into a maximum security prison. And it sounded, you know, kind of crazy. Uh, but I went to the Des Moines prison administration and pitched my idea. And surprisingly, they said yes. So my senior year, um, second semester at Grinnell, every week, twice a week, um, me and a few Grinnell volunteers and my co-teacher, we went to Mitchellville Prison with cameras and uh, filmed our eight classes that we um, taught there. And four years later, the movie The Gray Area came out. Um, it was four years of intense labor. I did it you know, while having a full-time day job in LA, working in the film industry. And so I knew that this was going to be my first feature film. If I wanted to be a filmmaker, I just had to make a film. And what was available to me was my experience here in Grinnell, which I thought was really unusual. You know, Grinnell students going into a prison and teaching classes, I'd never seen anything like that. So this movie, Saints Rest, was your first foray into, I guess, a non-documentary film. Right, narrative. Huge, enormous undertaking, and it turned out beautifully. Thank Uh, you. I appreciate it. Was it always going to be a musical? I imagine like the coordination of writing a movie script while also writing songs had to be like an extremely difficult process. Um, was there sort of like a, a give and take between the script and the songs? Absolutely. Um, first of all, yes, it was always going to be a musical. Um, it's not a musical in the sense of, you know, people start singing about their feelings and dancing in the middle of the street, <laughs> you know, that you think of singing that in the rain or, you know, which I love, but... Um, It's trying to bring the musical genre to a more modern time where we wanted the songs to come in and out of the plot kind of seamlessly and organically so you almost forget you're watching a a musical um, and the songs just happen naturally uh, within the scene. So um, yeah, it was a very big undertaking. We wanted, especially since we wanted to do to do live singing on set and we didn't want to compromise on the way most musicals are you know pre-recorded and you just have the actors lip sync um so uh yeah i worked with two amazing composers in israel for about a year uh we wrote the script while they were writing the songs and so the writing of the story um influenced the songs and vice versa um and it was a really awesome creative process from from what you've told me, this movie was such a, a collaborative effort. Um, yes. Without thanking everybody, can you talk <laughs> about how it felt to to make a movie with help from so many people? Yeah, if I started thanking people, <laughs> we would be here all day. Um, so I won't thank anyone. I will just thank <laughs> you did everyone. It all yourself. <laughs> um, no, I <laughs> um, I couldn't have done this movie without 
A, having a Grinnell alum, Paul McCauley, who agreed to fund this uh, adventure and believe in me and in the story, wanting to make a movie about Grinnell, really, he really saw the vision and, you know, was supportive from day one. So that's 100% none of this would happen without him. Uh, because making a movie costs money. Um, secondly, Grinnell College. Uh, it's a it's a huge broad thank you, but it's just um, they provided us with so much support, logistical support. Um, you know, we stayed in the dorm for a month and a half at main uh, main dorms, and a thirty people crew just slept in the dorm rooms, and it was it was quite a unique experience making a movie while living in the dorms. Um, you know, main lounge became our war room or whatever it's called. And it was, we had all our equipment, all our costumes, everything was all over main lounge. We had a piano, we were rehearsing there, we were eating there. Grinnell provided catering services, um, like a few other businesses around town. So that was, that was huge. Our associate producer, Todd Linden, um, who knows everyone around town, helped coordinate with different businesses and basically the whole community came came out and supported us they all were extras in the film we had scenes with you know 100 200 extras and so people just came and spent the day with us and saw what it takes to make a movie um, you know Sam Cox the owner of Saints Rest she closed Saints Rest coffee shop for a whole week for us we shot there day and night and it was it was an incredible experience we felt very um, welcomed by the community and people were excited to seeing a movie being made here. Um, hopefully it was a good experience. I know it wasn't easy for people just because, you know, there's this whole huge crew that comes in and takes over parking spots and, and brings equipment and some things break in the process. But it's, uh, I hope it was worth it eventually for them. Yeah. Well, based on the the showing last night, there was a lot of community support there. So for right. those for those people, it was definitely worth it. Um, did it feel like like first year all over again, staying in the dorms? <laughs> <laughs> I stayed in the dorms all four years. So and I love it. It was amazing. I mean, besides the fact that it was July and we had no ACs, we we were very happy in the dorms. Uh, yeah, it was it was surreal coming back here as an alum making a movie, a professional film with all these people and, and, and having it based here in the dorms. And some of your friends. So what, yeah. was, what was it like working with a, a cast that included some of your friends from Grinnell? <laughs> that was the point for me is to make my first narrative feature with people who A, I love as human beings and B, people who I think are super talented and are like me trying to make it out there as professional artists. And so we recruited our friends. Some of them are professional actors right now. Um, I co-wrote the script with Tyson Stock, who is um, a Grinnell alum my year, and he's been my creative partner. He He's writing my next film as well. And uh, the music director is Brian Cavanaugh-Strong, who went to college with us. So it was just being surrounded by my Grinnell friends. and. The greatest part was bringing them back here to Grinnell to do this and eating at all of our favorite restaurants in town and just hanging out again like college, except making a movie. It was great. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about Danny's character. Yes. Because um, there are some obvious overlaps with, with you. <laughs> um, how much of Danny's character is informed by your experience? 
A lot, actually. Um, so for those who haven't seen the film, Danny plays uh, an Israeli uh, young woman who um, right now is, she went to college and med school in the States. She came from, from Israel and uh, now is doing her residency here. Her family is all still in Tel Aviv and uh, she has an American boyfriend um, and she's kind of torn between the I, the decision of staying here and marrying this guy that she loves uh, versus going home, which was always the original plan. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's a lot of me in there. Um, I definitely struggled with that that decision my my whole time I, I spent almost a decade in the states you know went to college here lived in LA for three years then moved to Illinois and throughout this time I was planning on you know I was building a life here in the states and I had relationships and um but at the same time home was always Israel so and my family was there and it was really hard um having to uh work my way around the geographical distance so so geography is a huge part of of my life and also of the themes of this movie is where you know when sisters uh find themselves living apart in different states you know in the united states it's very it's very accepted to live in a different states from where your parents are you know you go to college in the other side of the country you get a job in a different state you just kind of move around and Israel is such a small country that if you move further away than you know 20 minutes from your parents it's like considered really weird and everyone is so used to being in the same geographical space so um, yeah it, ultimately I went back home to Israel um, where I'm based right now and that kind of solved that debate <laughs> in my own personal life uh-huh but yeah, lots lots of similarities with Danny. Yeah. Um, also, the the dynamic between the sisters in the film, Joni and Allie. Yeah. Um, you said you have a twin sister, right? I do. Um, who you're very close with. Yeah. Um, where did you get the idea for those sisters who are really connected by music and Grinnell, but whose lives have diverged quite significantly? Um, well, I think the conflict between the sisters was a way for us to discuss ambition um, versus contentment. Um, I, I see that as the central conflict in the film. Um, you know, one sister has dreams that she feels like she cannot live them here in Grinnell and she has to actually leave town to um, make them come true, um, career aspirations, etc. The other one is extremely talented, writes songs, performs them, has, you know, extraordinary talent, but she chooses to stay here. Um, and, and she herself is torn between, you know, choosing her life and where, where she should go. Um, and so I, I think that the, the main, the sisters represent two different life choices and the audience can find themselves identifying with either one of them, you know, and, and you always, miss out on something when you choose a path whether to live in Grinnell for the rest of your life there's huge benefits to that you you gain the sense of community the sense of home um you know small time life has a lot of charm and appeal to me and then of course moving to a big city has provides more options career-wise I found myself moving to LA right after graduation and was really homesick for this type of place so you always whatever path you choose you're going to be missing out on some things and you're going to sacrifice some things. Yeah. 
So for more than just Grinnell audiences, this film obviously has has quite a broad appeal. Um, it's already been shown at a number of festivals, and I know it's received quite high praise and recognition along the way, and rightfully so. Um, there's not a wealth of movies out there about small-town Iowa. Right. Um, why do you think your film resonates so well with people who aren't necessarily from Grinnell? It's a great question. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, we premiered at um, a small town in North Carolina and uh, River Run International Film Festival, which is a really uh, well-known festival, and yet it's a small city. Uh, the people there, we had three sold-out screenings, and we won the audience award there, and the responses we got were overwhelming. Just people really saw themselves in the film, um, and I think... You don't have to live in small town Iowa to see yourself in the in that conflict that I just described, um, and and have those same questions for yourself, for your own life, and what path you chose, and how far you are from. You know, I, I had people come up to me and say, "I have a I have a sister or I have a brother, and they live, you know, a few states from here, and the geographical distance is really hard for me." And and you know, so they're they're touched by different aspects of the film, um, and you know, a lot of people say they were really moved by the music and and drawn to it from that angle. Um, so I, I hope people can find different things to um, to appreciate in the film, and they don't have to be from Iowa. Certainly. Um, so while it does have that appeal and those themes kind of resonate um, with everybody, I think. I think it also is really special for the people who are familiar with Grinnell. Um, and I know I loved seeing uh, all the scenes in the movie and knowing where they were filmed. Uh, <laughs> and I've been to those places. Right. And I've done those things there. Yeah. Um, but it did feel a little different to see them featured in a movie. I'm curious, did it did it feel like you were rediscovering Grinnell through the lens of a camera when you came back and filmed? A hundred percent. You know, I... My cinematographer, Matthias Grunsky, who is one of the best working cinematographers out there, and I was really lucky to have him. He's originally from Germany, and he's he's based in, um, well, he's from Austria. He's based in Germany right now. So him and I are both, you know, foreigners coming into this um, American Midwestern town, and both of us look at it probably a bit differently than what Americans look at, because I haven't, I didn't grow up with, in, a, in an environment like this. So for me, everything from that water tower with the red, you know, top and those alleyways and and just the, the Grinnell Park and, um, you know, the, the bowling alley, which looks <laughs> like straight out of a, you know, 50s movie. And I, we both looked at those locations um, as, you know, as outsiders. And I think that helped bring out their charm and their magic um, because we were just not used to them. This is not the type of uh, topography we see. Um, so yeah, I, I saw it with new eyes and I fell in love with it again. You know, the house we filmed at, uh, which belongs to the Clower family here on Broad Street, is the, I think the most beautiful house I've ever seen. When, I, when we found that location and they agreed to let us stay there for a week and film, it was, it just, you know, everyone who sees the movie asks about their house because it's so beautiful. And it's just a house standing on Broad Street. When I was a student, I never noticed it. I never, you know, so now you, you get to really look at the space. You really look at the coffee shop. You really see 
things that that stand out to you and um yeah i i love doing it yeah i i was it was funny i Joni's walk to work in the film is the same walk that I have to work, basically. Oh, yeah, that's right. I live on Broad Street. <laughs> that's true. There's like a little deja vu there. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I can appreciate the the feeling of kind of seeing Grinnell through new eyes, even though it's been only a, a little more than a year since I've been gone. It is it is different uh, coming it's different. back and looking Every at everything and, and appreciating different things. Right. Um, okay, I want to play a bit of a a bit of a game here. I'm going to ask you some of your your Grinnell favorites. Um, yes. Give me your honest answers. Okay. Favorite time of year in Grinnell? Summer. Good answer. <laughs> As we gear up for the winter here, oh it's going to be brutal. It was hard for me coming from Israel. I was I'm like freezing at seventy degrees. <laughs> like I cannot deal with this weather. So yeah, definitely summer beginning of school year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Favorite study spot. Favorite study spot. Um, Saints Rest, but on campus. Um, wow, JRC, the library. I don't even know anymore i was all over the place that's good that's fine the forum actually. the forum yeah. yeah it's kind of changed a lot in its history and even probably since you have have been yeah. here um they've yeah. now got like a digital arts lab I know. there I, it's, yeah. cool. it's cool i was the last class that experienced it as a forum before the jrc became like the student center oh, okay that's interesting um favorite restaurant non-cafe in grinnell okay um it's between Chuang and, and Pagliai. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'm even pronouncing those names right, but, you know, the pizza place. The pizza the place Chinese and place. the Chinese. There is another, uh, <laughs> there's a Chinese buffet, China Sea, but I've never been oh, there. Oh, I've never um, been there either. But Chong's is certainly yeah, the, the popular destination. <laughs> uh, favorite building on campus? Boxbound. Boxbound. I spend all my time there, so. Okay. Uh, favorite professor? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> you can, I'll give you up to three. Okay. Um, Astrid Henry um, for Gender Women's Studies was a mentor, someone I looked up to, and I admire her until today. Um, Craig Quintero was my directing teacher, and um, I absolutely loved his class. It was my favorite class. Um, I'll stop there because I have a long list. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite food from the dining hall? Mm, stir fry, maybe station. Okay. Do they still have? Yeah, that? they still have the stir fry station. <laughs> have you been in the dining hall since? No. Are you gonna go there today? Uh, I have to. I have to see what's changed. Yeah. I mean, has a lot changed? Well, I mean, I wasn't here in two thousand nine. But, but they still have all the stations of like. They still have the stir fry station, the sandwich station, pasta station, all that good okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, did they we have? Had that. Did they have the um the ice cream machine when you were here? No. no. Okay. So <laughs> they don't have it anymore. But when oh. I when I was here as a student, they had an ice cream machine, like a soft serve machine. But now we've switched back to like four containers oh, of, of yeah, ice cream. Oh, yeah. No, we, I don't so. think we had that. You got, did you have ice cream at all? I'm sure we did. Okay. Yeah. But not, yeah. neither of those fancy options. But yeah. <laughs> if there isn't a, a question, then I have to also say a big cookie. Okay. From the... If you were not going to ask about <laughs> the grill, like. I, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I didn't ask favorite grill item, but did now you we know. see it in the film? Though? I did, and I, I wrote it down like in my notes. I was like, the big cookie the made big an appearance. <laughs> I was so happy. I, it, it had to make an appearance, of course. But uh, also, there was in my time there was only a big cookie, and then I came back to here a few years later. There's a huge cookie or giant cookie now. Uh -huh. 
and that's new. So it's, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in a few years. It's going to just it's grow. It's going to be a and... plate. It's going to be a, a giant, <laughs> yeah. enormous monstrosity of a cookie. Right. Um, <laughs> dairy Barn was also featured in the film. Do you have yep. a favorite Dairy Barn food 100%, item? 100%, yes. Um, so coffee-flavored ice cream with cookie dough is the best thing you'll ever have there. Coffee-flavored ice cream with cookie dough. Wow, that it's sounds amazing. good. Yeah, is it still to... open? It, yeah, it's still open usually until fall break, so you can still catch it. Today. I'm going there right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it, it's not necessarily ice cream weather. Yesterday was 80 degrees, but today's a little cooler. But I I'll know. eat ice cream. Yeah, me too. Forget the weather. <laughs> Good. Um, and then, uh, do you have a favorite coffee shop in town? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I figured I'd. I'd give you that softball to, to, to end the <laughs> to interview. To deny my love for Sandra. Yeah, yeah, put you on, on the spot. Um, well, thank you, Noga, for, for making this film and coming back to Grinnell and sharing it with all of us and for coming to talk to me today. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. It's such an awesome um, project you're doing, and I hope this podcast just takes off and <laughs> that everyone listens to it because you're wonderful at what you're doing, and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Noga. Noga Ashkenazi is a Grinnell graduate from the class of 2009. Both the film and the soundtrack will be available for purchase on iTunes and Amazon sometime in early 2019. You can sign up for their newsletter at www.saintsrestmovie.com and receive updates that way, or like them on Facebook at Saints Rest Movie. Links to her trailer and music from the movie are also available on our website, grinnell.edu podcast. Here's a little snippet from one of the songs in the movie. It's called Right Now. After talking to Noga and seeing the movie, I wanted to get some historical perspective on Saints Rest. So I talked to Jeff Phelps, the former owner of Saints Rest, who was there when Noga attended Grinnell and made an appearance in the film as the hippie guy in the bowling alley. Sam Cox is the current owner of Saints Rest. I sat down with both of them to see if they could tell me why Saints has become such a staple of the Grinnell community. Jeff took me back to the beginnings of this iconic coffee house. We opened up Saints um, in September of 2000, no, of 1999. Um, I'd um, owned a liquor store and wine shop before that, and, and it really wasn't working out real well, and um, decided that we wanted to do um, um, something a little different. And uh, I'd orig- originally looked at starting a coffee house um, 10 or 15 years before that, but the, the consulting company said it wouldn't work in Grinnell, it wasn't big enough. Um, but the demographics kind of changed over those those 15 years, and and um, you know the, as coffee became more popular, and so um, decided to do it. I had a partner at the time that helped um, finance it, and that partnership didn't work out. So um, we we kind of separated just right after we got it started in in um, September of um, 2009. 
Um, it's really based on a, um, a chapter in uh, the late Professor Wall's book about the history of Grinnell. Uh, even shows up in the movie Saints Rest. There's a, 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 um, a scene in the movie where they open the book to chapter four, and I can't remember the exact name of the, of the, the chapter, but it has Saints, something about Saints Rest. and the, the Saint and His Rest, I think is what it was called. Um, but I wanted to have a contest to, to name the place because I'm really terrible at naming things. Um, and we were getting all the standard things, you know, um, common grounds and, and the bean and all that kind of stuff. And I got a call from, from my friend Joel Wall, who was Professor Wall's son, and he said, have you read my dad's book? And I said, yeah, I have. And he says, well, if you're doing this contest, you need to look at chapter four and reread that and see what you think. And, and I did, and, and I loved it. It, um, it kind of in some ways tied in with, um, with what I had done before because, um, as you may know, J.B. Grinnell was a real teetotaler and had all these, these clauses that if you purchased land from him, you could not serve or, or store or drink alcohol on that land or he could take it back. And so when I decided to switch over um, and I saw that name Saints Rest, I really liked it and, and uh, decided that, um, that that's what it would be. So my friend Joel won a free cup of coffee, which he's never come to collect. <laughs> He'll come collect it for me. That's how it works. <laughs> that's what you get for naming rights, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Sam, how did you then get to know Jeff and eventually become the owner of Saints? So I was a customer of Jeff's first. Um, I would come in because I – love coffee my entire life and so I was always flying through to get my coffee on my way to whatever job I was going to and I um, took a leap of faith like back in 2005 and opened a small coffee shop at the Williamsburg outlet and Jeff was my mentor for that so he helped me run through all the equipment again and understanding you know how to use that and how to do things he gave me a lot of his suppliers he was incredibly supportive and helpful and you know unfortunately that one did not make it but I feel like that was a great uh, starting point for me to understand how and what I could do when this opportunity came up. And we actually had talked about this probably about 10 years ago, and it just didn't come to fruition at the time. It wasn't the right time for me. It wasn't the right time for him. So when he came back six years ago now, um, yeah, I started working on all of my paperwork and how am I going to get this financing and how am I going to do this? Um, and by December, we had it all figured out and all ironed out, and I took over in January of, um, well, six years. So where are we at? 2013. Uh, 2013, yeah. Yeah, so he is really the the person that's helped me, you know, be where I'm at and do what I'm doing. I was scrolling through a photo book at Saints the other day, and I didn't I didn't realize that the art gallery actually used to be a part of Saints' name and the logo. Mm -hmm. Jeff, can you speak to the role of Saints as an artistic hub of sorts? Um, that was really um, an idea that my partner uh, at the time came up with. Um, I wanted to put artwork on the wall, and, and he really didn't want to be involved in, in running the business at all. Um, but he wanted to have an art gallery in Grinnell, and so we decided that was one of the impetuses for him to, to, to become a partner. 
Um, so he hired a, um, a woman named Mindy Bacon to uh, contact artists and, and, um, and bring in artwork. And then she eventually, as he backed away from the business, she took over the, the whole art business. But it was a, I thought it was a, a great idea. Um, and I think you still sell. Mm-hmm. quite a bit of stuff there and so we we tried to support mostly local artists and jewelers and and things like that um, people with Grinnell connections and um, I, I think one of the first things that we did was uh, we enticed a, a, a young photographer from Grinnell College named David Kennedy uh, to bring his his um, photography in um, and David's gone on to, to become a pretty well-known photographer in North Carolina. Um, he's, uh, in, in fact, produced a book called A Portrait of Grinnell um, when he graduated. That's a, an amazing book, I think, and then had a second edition of it not too long after that. But um, So it kind of started as a way for local artists to have a place that they could show their work and, and uh, maybe make a little bit of money from it. And... and Sam, how do you see Saints as part of the artistic community here in Grinnell? Yeah, I look at Saints as an opportunity to just be supportive. Um, I rarely turn anyone away for any reason, whether it's they want to put something on our walls or it's music that they want to perform or there's a special event and we happen to be the venue. Um, I just feel like we are a communal space. And if I have the space, why would I not offer it up um, for those who need it or want to utilize it? So that's how it works out for us. Uh Uh-huh. When you took over, I know you changed a few things, but you've definitely kept the spirit of Saints. How do you think about the legacy that you inherited from Jeff when you took over Saints? Well, I have I have a fantastic legacy. I mean, I couldn't be more grateful, <laughs> truly. And the funny thing is, the longer I'm there, the more everybody's like, you are becoming more like Jeff every day. <laughs> to which I say it is their fault. It's all their fault. And it's nothing to do with Jeff or I, because we are angels. Um, but saints. Yeah, we are. We are saints. saints. Yeah, there we you are go. saints. <laughs> I like that. So, um... Yeah, for me, it was just about just kind of just changing some things into more of, of who I am and, and what I am. And so we took on in-house baking, which is the one thing that Jeff didn't do. He had some bakers through the years, but we took on in-house baking. So there's always stuff that's made from scratch. In fact, that's what I spent my afternoon doing today. Um, I opened up, uh, and Jeff and I went round and round and bet a dinner on this. Um, I opened up uh, flavored coffee in the coffee shop, mostly because I love flavored coffee, which makes Jeff very unhappy. <laughs> but um, so I bring that in there. Um, and I mean, really, it's just it's it's the same business, just with a slightly different spin. He's a little more calm. I'm a little more wound up. Um, yeah, that's just how we roll. Well, that's because I'm less caffeinated. Right. Now. I, even I don't then, drink nearly even as much then. as I used to. But um, yeah, I'd say we're both characters in our own right. Just uh, slightly different. I agree. <laughs> Can you both give me an idea of what makes Saints special to you? I don't know if you feel this way, but I think it bridges the college and the town in a way that few things do. I agree with that 100%. That's one of the main reasons that I wanted to start a coffee house was I wanted a, a place where people could come and not be hassled and if, if not sit together, at least be in the same room together. And it worked out way better than I ever thought it would. Um, as I watched over the, the 14 years that I was there, I watched friendships develop between people from the Mayflower home and college students and business people and, and derelicts. And, and it, it just was a, you know, it, it really worked 
um, as a as a hub, as a place for people to gather. And Sam's done such a great job of making it even more comfortable than than I did. Um, and it's you know it's it's really the few times that I go in, and I got to admit it, it's it's over the last six years, seven years, it's been really hard for me to go in. I, you know, always felt like I was interfering if I was in the place. And yeah, she always makes that face when I say that. It's just one of those things when you when you get rid of something that was so important. You know, I didn't want to go in and say, you should be doing that. You should be doing this. And, and knowing me, <laughs> you know. He that, might have a time or two. <laughs> but, you know, what, what Sam has done is just absolutely wonderful. It's an extension of that. I think it's even more comfortable now for, for people than it was when when I owned it. And, and Well, thank you, Jeff. Well, it's it's the truth. It's, you know, it's, it's just so much fun the few times that I do walk in to see, you know, different groups sitting around the table and, and discussions that are, that range far and wide. It's, I think it's really important for Grinnell to have a place like that. And I don't think there really is any other place in Grinnell that, that provides that um, to the extent that Saints Rest does. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, you know, what makes it so important to me is probably two things. Um, it's a legacy, right? And it's Jeff's legacy first. And as long as the story about Saints Rest will be told, it'll always be told with Jeff and who owned it first. And because I can remember the people that used to own businesses in Grinnell, and I still remember their names. Um, and that's going to be Jeff. And they're going to remember when Jeff owned it. And then they're going to remember when I owned it and you know those two memories are going to meld together but the most exceptional part of that business is the customers and and my answer to anybody that wants to own a small business is it is not glamorous and it is hard and it's a lot of um stress and strife and turmoil but what makes it all worthwhile are the customers because they're not they're not my customers they are my friends and they are my family. And I'm so lucky to get to meet so many young college students. And there's always the special ones in that group that end up being more like your kid. Um, and that you're very fortunate to get to be that parent figure for them when they're when they're having the good days and the bad days. Um, and also just the community ties that you make. People that I've never been exposed to before, the professors and the faculty that I would never have seen or had a conversation with, have also become friends of mine. Um, and I'm so lucky to have that source of knowledge because even when I have these just strange random questions, I know somebody that I can go track down and be like, can you explain this to me? Because, you know, I'm, I can't say that I'm an incredibly cultured individual, but I'm so lucky to know so many cultured individuals that I can pick their brains. And that's a great opportunity for anyone and everyone that, that comes to the mm-hmm. coffee shop. You know, one of the things that I think about is um, how many people doubted me when I opened the coffee house. And committed, it's not going to work. You know, why are you doing this? And I know you got the same thing when when sure. you came in, um, to the point where, you know, we we wanted this to happen, and we had to be creative. We had to be creative. We ended up self financing. Yep. And you know, everybody. My accountant said, I think that'll work. I think it's great. But then every tax time he says, boy, you sure don't want to get it back now. Your tax deductibles are going to go crazy if you get it back. And <laughs> but, I know nothing about that. But it's, you know, it's it's just one of those things that, that if you have faith in something and somebody, um, you make it work. And it worked out great for me. If, if Sam had paid me all in one big check, I'd have spent it in, in, in two months. But this way, it, it was a supplemental income before Social Security kicked in. And it, it couldn't have worked out better for us. And, um, and the community is what made that happen. Um, you know, I don't think you lost any customers when I left. And I know you gained a whole bunch, a, a, a completely different 
um, clientele. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I wanted to happen, and I'm yep. sure it's what you wanted to happen too. And it's so you know we can we can spin in circles patting each other on the back, but it's really the community that made this place work. Yep. And, and it is every day. In the age of Starbucks and Dunkin', these large coffee corporations, how has Saints managed to carve out and maintain such a stronghold here in Grinnell? You know, I, I recently had this conversation, um, and Jeff's had this uh, experience, and I really haven't, where another coffee shop came in and tried to function. Um, and, of course, we had another uh, a small bakery came in um, that was serving coffee. And you get this moment of panic where you're just like, how am I going to make it in? I can't lose 10%. I can't lose 15%. That's affecting me personally. Um, I think that when and if that happens again, and it most certainly will, um, we certainly will take a hit. But I think what we are fortunate uh, is that we are community and college supported. And even though those places are going to come and go, it is not my true core. Like they're certainly going to get business from other people, but those are people that have never come to see me anyway. Um, I feel very strongly about the customers that I have. And even when I was a customer of Jeff's and the other shop opened, I didn't go to the other shop. Jeff was here first. That was my place. And that's where I was going to go. So it will happen. I have, I have no doubt. And um, the answer is you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't alter your plan. If you're doing it well, continue to do that. Um, and just stay the course. And, you know, if, it was, if it's meant to be, it will be. And if you're good at what you do, it'll it'll keep going. That's the real key is stay in the course. I think yep. when, when that happened, when, when the other coffee house opened up, it panic is not really the word I, you know, it was, it was sheer, just terror. You know, how am I going to do this? I know how much money I am not making. Yeah. You know, how am I, yeah. how is somebody going to siphon off 50% of my business and how will I survive? And what happened was that a lot of my customers did go there and after two or three months, they slowly started mm -hmm. filtering back, and they started bringing other people with them. Um, and it, it turned out that the competition was actually kind of good in some ways. Um, obviously, more for Saints Rest than it was for for the other place because he didn't make it. But, well, and um, you started. Jeff started with an exceptional product. Our roaster out of Altoona, who's been the same roaster for almost twenty years now, even though they've switched owners a little bit, mm -hmm. um, an exceptional product. And I get samples all the time, as did Jeff, of everybody else's coffee beans. And I will tell you that I, I am truly astounded by what she continues to produce and that is part of what we do the other part of course would be the scratch made products that we bring to the bakery mm -hmm. area which is and we're reasonable we're not we're not crazy expensive we're moderately priced um it's a small town but it really comes in my opinion down to the product that we serve and and that started with jeff and, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to pass that down to to where we are so other people can come and go but the answer is they're not serving the same things that we're that we're serving over what the last 20 years there were actually three roasters involved and three different owners and the the original roast, roaster was was incredible but she just couldn't stick to one thing you know you never knew when you were going to get deliveries uh, she was incredible but um, and an incredible trainer um, and then the second roaster was very passionate about it but um, decided when her husband got a job opportunity in another community that it was time to sell and the woman who took over toward the end of my uh, time is is just as passionate about coffee and and um, those are things as sam mentioned i'm glad you mentioned it because yeah. it's i mean that's really the core of it if if we opened up a really nice 
comfy coffee house and served crap coffee, we we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. There's a reason you guys come off campus. <laughs> we have good coffee. No slight. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly plays a role. Um, so what did you both think of Noga's movie? I thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, Sam mentioned making friendships with people on campus uh, that who would come into the coffee house, and that's exactly what happened with us. Noga came in with her father her very first day in Grinnell, Iowa, and um, you know she came in kind of half scared, and her, she and her father walked up to the counter, and we chatted for a little while and found out where she was from and just talked about Grinnell and the community. And she wandered off to sit with, um, with some um, other international students that had come in with her. And her father looked at me and said, you know, I'll never be back to Grinnell. I'll never come back here. You take care of my little girl. And, you know, that was... I kind of felt obligated at that point to, you know, to to, to stay in touch with her, and and Noga and I did, mm-hmm. and and um, she was in a lot when she was on campus, and and I would hear from her even when she was studying abroad, and, um, you know, I was just really tickled that 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 relationship developed, and and what she's done with the movie, um, I don't, I can't imagine anything that that would serve the community better, that that could serve both the college and and uh, the town and the coffee house um, and but the, but the story itself is just such a, a marvelous story um, it's it's a love story and and that's you know I, I just I had no idea what she was going to come up with but um, it was it was just really something to see I, I really enjoyed it yeah, I agree. Um, it, it's a for me. So Jeff was gone when they were filming this movie, and I told Noga that it had better be good because she was a pain in my rump. <laughs> um, you have no idea what it takes to make a movie. I have no idea what it takes to make a movie, and I can tell you it is one of the most invasive processes in the entire world when it's shot in your little area of town. Um, but I don't. I thought that the town was displayed absolutely beautifully. I thought. So many movies you see and, and you know it's somewhere that you're familiar with and it doesn't remind you of that. And I thought Grinnell was showcased really beautifully. And I loved um, the actors and actresses. I got to know them all. They were really just great, down-to-earth people um, to watch the creative process and, and see how it all worked out at the end. And knowing everything that went into that it's, is overwhelming. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a great film. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, I just, I absolutely loved it. I've seen it twice. I haven't been fortunate enough to be able to get in there um, any other times because it just gets kind of gets away from me. But I certainly will buy it when it ever comes out. But it's so cool to see the place where you work and you live and you love on a screen. I mean, on a really personal level. It's really neat. And to have those actresses actually make you feel like they've been there and that, yeah. that was a, the, the, you know the, that it's their place I, you know i think um honey was just absolutely amazing um as the owner and yes. i could see some of you she i could see some of me, me. yes <laughs> she worked she came and worked with me for a little bit and i was just cracking up there's a part in the movie where it is literally my line and i'm like wait a minute that is me it's super funny to see and, and I would echo everything that Sam said. Those, those, especially Honey and and Danny and mm-hmm. and um, and um, the, the guy that played Michael. Um, it's Michael. Yeah, Michael My, is Michael. Michael. Yeah, Allie. Allie is the other one that I was trying to yes. think of. That you know they they really do a um, just such a fine job of of um, 
settling in. I mean, it's their place. Yeah, and, and super um, cool. it's And what amazing people to work with, as, as you mentioned. I you know, had that one little scene in the, in the bowling alley as the hippie bowler. And it, you know, it, it, it took all day to film everything that took place in the bowling alley. But it, it, it just blew me away to be sitting there during downtime and have um, Hani break in to, to you know, just start humming a tune. Um, Allie would just join in, and pretty soon they'd break out into a complete um, duet, and everybody in that place was just, oh, my God. It, and it was, it was yeah. just It's wonderful. super neat. It really is. How come you weren't in the movie? I did not want to be in the movie. Um, in fact, I'm really upset with Noga. The one picture she took of her and I, I think I had a bandana in my hair and some bib overalls on, and I was dirty and scrubby, and I, I don't even know what I was doing. I'm like, that's the one you chose. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I didn't want to be in, but I did offer her my famous bib overalls. I was disappointed that they didn't make it in the movie. They didn't make it in. No. Yeah. Well, with the success of Noga's movie, soon people will be flocking here from all over the country to see Saints Rest. But in the meantime, thank you both for taking the time to talk with me today. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us. Jeff Phelps is the founder and former owner of Saints Rest. We were joined by Sam Cox, the current owner of Saints Rest. If you're in town, make sure to stop by and say hi. And you can check them out on Facebook at Saints Rest Coffee House. And with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode. On the next show, we'll interview some of the guest speakers from the Rosenfield Symposium here at Grinnell, which dealt with the inextricable relationship between sports and society. Music for today's show comes from Brett Newski and Audioblocks. If you'd like to contact the show, email us at podcast at grinnell.edu, find us on Twitter with hashtag allthingsgrinnell, or check out our website, grinnell.edu podcast, for more information about the guests from today's show. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. I'm your host, Ben Benversi. Stay weird, Grinnellians.